Okay. Um, the, the, the last day of Hanukkah is called Zos Hanukkah. Hasidim called Zos Hanukkah. Where they get it from, what? Because it's the parasha, right? This was the Zot Chanukat at the end of Naso, at the end of the parasha of Naso. So they they made a deal out of Zot Chanukat, but in fact, it, it makes sense on a certain level because um, uh, because if the Neirot of Chanukah are supposed to would be the source of Pirsume Nisa. And if the miracle was that the, it burned eight days, then you really get the idea only on the eighth day. Because until then, you might think, well, it burned three days. So, I mean, unless you think that all the people out there, all the Goyim who are seeing you light the candles, are so clever that they're able to understand that really every day there was a miracle and there's no difference. And maybe that's our pshat. You know, we can understand that. I don't know if the, everybody who the Pirsume Nisa is for. Usually we say that the miracle was eight days, but the oil, there was enough oil for one day and it burned for eight days. So if that was the miracle, you only know that on the eighth day. So there's really only Pirsume Nisa. In other words, in the Gemara it says, in the Gemara it sounds like it says that the essential mitzvah is to light a candle. One candle every night. Right? So that the Pursumi Nisa is that they lit the candles of the Beit HaMikdash. That was the nace. That even though it was difficult, and even though they lit the candles. So however you explain that, you explain that. It's a, you know... But when Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai came along, they just saw Hillel and Shammai came along, they said, no, it's important to know about every day. But they never explained why it's important to know what day of Hanukkah. It knows whether you go 1, 2, 3, 4, or you go 8, 7, 6, 5, you, you know what day of Hanukkah it is. <laughs> you have to also know which way people are going. Like on the, uh, you never know whether it's we see, you only see two candles. You don't see a menorah. You just see candles. So two candles, right? You don't know if it's the sixth day, right? Or the second day. So, so you have to assume that there were communities of Hillel and communities of Shammai. So they, they all knew what day, what day it was. But there's no one who explains why it's important as part of the Pirsume Nisa to understand why they were um, why is it important to know what day of Hanukkah is so people say well because every day is special you know you have to know that every day is special but I don't know if you'd know that from the candles in other words, like the, who's the audience for this Pirsume Nisa who's getting it other people who light the candles, or other people who don't light the candles. Jewish people or non-Jewish people, right? This is like, was always an issue. And so, you know, through history, uh, there was a certain amount of uh, lack of appreciation. Let's say lack of appreciation for Jews lighting these candles because they symbolized a victory over the non-Jewish enemy. So the non-Jews didn't like it. Anyway, that's what Zot Hanukkah is. That is the day that we really know about Hanukkah. The last day, 
on the last day of Hanukkah. I want to say something about uh, the Parshat HaShavua. Uh, Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu, at the beginning of Ayetze, went into the diaspora. And the Ramban points out, in the beginning of Ayetze, that Yaakov Avinu was sort of preparing the diaspora. He was preparing Am Yisrael for diaspora living. And what did he do? He maintained. That was what he maintained. The idea of who he was and who his father was and that he had to go back to Eretz Yisrael. Even though he was in, um, in a difficult situation. He was alone. His wives, as far as we can tell, were not quite up to his level of devotion. Right? When Rachel stole the trafim, when Rachel stole the trafim, her father's idols, or so to speak, um, she didn't break them. She didn't put them in the garbage dump. She took them, and she hid them. Um, after Shimon and Levi beat up on Shem and Chamor, they also stole um, the idolatry of Shem and Chamor, and Yaakov had to get rid of it, so that Yaakov's family was not at all like Yaakov. They didn't, they weren't educated like he was. They were the diaspora, you know, they went to co-ed day schools. It wasn't like they went to schools in Yerushalayim, where everybody's firmer than everybody else. Anybody else. So, Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu is the, the one, according to the Ramban, who prepared a path in the computer, in the old computer days, they used to say path, they used to use that word for how one program fit into another program. And so, he prepared the path for Am Yisrael forever. Uh, that when they would go into the exile, they would maintain themselves. Somehow they would come back to Eretz Israel because of Yaakov Avinu. Because he put it in, like, like the Reformed Jews, Reformed Jews said that uh, they don't belong to Eretz Israel for a while. Right? Today it's a little different. But Reformed Jews in Germany and America, they said they don't belong, they belong to America. Right? They had the that they were not influenced by Yaakov Avinu. They were not, it, it wasn't their world. They, they wanted to stay in America. But, but Orthodox Jews, or, or people who don't want Esrei three times a day, for them, the idea of going back to Eretz Yisrael was ever-present. It's true that politically, not everybody agrees about the timing. But everybody agrees that you have to go back to Eretz Yisrael. I mean, there's no machloket about that. Even people who stay wherever they are, for whatever reason they may have, they, they agree that eventually they're going to get to Yerushalayim. There's no one, nobody who, who follows the, the basic tradition of, uh, uh, of Judaism, traditions of Judaism, who doesn't think they're going to end up in Eretz Yisrael. They don't even... They, they all, all bury that. Everybody's buried in Chutzlars al tonight. That, that they, you could take the body out of the grave and bring it to Eretz Israel and rebury it. You can't do that in Eretz Israel. I mean, only, only the uh, cemeteries for the uh, fallen soldiers that are dug on the spot, 
are dug out nigh in Eretz Yisrael. Every other seven nights, cemetery is permanent. Because why Chutzlaris, they bury people in boxes. So they could take the box out of the, out of the grave. In Eretz Yisrael, they, they just bury the person in the ground because that's his, uh, that's his place or her place, right? They're not gonna, not gonna move from that. So that this idea that Yaakov of Vino prepared us, so to speak, he showed us that the, that the, uh, that the diaspora would be difficult and it would be very hard uh, uh, to come back, but we would come back. We would maintain somehow. We'd be able to overcome the uh, uh, ideology of place, right? The idolatry and the ideology would be overcome. That's what Jacob Avinu was doing in the house of Lavan from some point of view. He wasn't only running away from Esau, but he was making it Right, on his terms, by maintaining his connection to HaKadosh Baruch and then he would come back. That was, that was Yaakov. That's what the Ramban briefly stated, what the Ramban said. That our parasha, our parasha, after many difficult years, where Yaakov is not only able, not only is he unsuccessful in getting his wives to act exactly like his mother and his grandmother. But he also was not able, he didn't have so much nachas from his children. You know, they, they fought with each other, they disagreed with each other, they went to do battle when he didn't want them to do battle. You know, he had, he had uh, a difficulty. That's what it says at the beginning of the parish of Vayeshev, uh, uh, Rashi quotes the Medrash, this says, B'kesh l'shevet v'shalva, so Yosef, Yosef started having trouble with his brothers and then they sold him and they sent him to Egypt and all of this, <coughs> some of he knew about, some he didn't know about, he thought Yosef was dead. He was very, uh, he had a very distressing time. So now suddenly after, like very interesting uh, sequence of events, Yosef, uh, sorry, um, uh, yeah, Yosef in Mitzrayim asks Yaakov to come to Mitzrayim. And, and the, the brothers, of course, are all into it. Because they saw that Yosef was, uh, was wealthy and powerful and unique and special in the greatest nation on earth at that particular time. They all wanted the issue, you know, like, why not go? It's like, uh, like somebody's going to give you a big donation. Well, you're going to say no? You're not going to say no. You'll say, great. So they, wanted, they all wanted to, to go. But why did Yaakov go? Why didn't Yaakov say, look, my son wants to see me, he'll come and see me. You remember when Yaakov died, Yosef and his brothers took the body back to Eretz Yisrael and buried it. So it was not impossible to imagine that Yosef could come to visit his father. But the Torah says that Yosef sent Agalot, he sent his wagons, and the wagons, uh, the wagons brought Yaakov and whoever was left in Eretz Yisrael back to Mitzrayim, and then they they went to live there. So the pasuk that is of interest is, pasuk interest is this pasuk, the first pasuk on the sheet, which says that Yudah shalach lefanav el Yosef. Not also, so here's Yaakov. He's like not only happy to go. He's organizing things. He tells Yehuda to go first to Yosef, 
Lahorot lefanav Goshna. Goshna is a place, a place, right? For the Eretz Goshen. It's always referred to, except for this, for here. But we know that Rashi says many times that when you have a hay at the end of the word, it's almost take the place of, in Hebrew, a lamed at the beginning of the word. Right? Lamed le Goshen, Goshna. In fact, the grammarians call that hey, <laughs> hey, lokalis. It means a directional hey. They say it in Latin because they think everybody would be more impressed. <laughs> if you say it in Latin, if you just say directional hey, it doesn't sound like, like, a, like a sign for cars or something. A directional hey. So, so in other words, according to Rashi, don't get too excited about the fact that it says Goshna, because it means exactly the same, Ligosha. But Chazal already, have already pointed out, Chazal already pointed out that this means that Yaakov knew that he was going to Goshen. In, in other words, it wasn't just that Yaakov was going to visit Yosef, who had this uh, high position in Egypt, and he wanted to, you know, be proud of his son, and say, oh, here's my son, I didn't think much of him when he was a kid, but look how he turned out so well. It wasn't that. He was going to a specific place, and he knew the place. It wasn't that when he got there, a Yosef told, like Yosef told Pyro, I'm going to put them in Eretz Goshen, and we should know, know. They'll have animals, they're, they're, they're shepherds and, and have larger animals, and we know that doesn't fit in with, with Egyptian uh, way of looking at things, so we'll put them over there. It was all, all planned out. But you see, even before Yaakov goes to Eretz Goshen, Goshen is already on his mind. Right now, if you look at it, I didn't put it down because it's, it's Hanukkah, but like, if we look at the Rashi, Rashi, I guess Yosef told him. I guess he sent the messenger before and he said, he gave him more details. But when the story is told in the Torah, it sounds like, I want you to come to me. You know, but he didn't tell him, but he also told him, otherwise he wouldn't have done. I don't, I think. I think that the reason that he told him about Goshen was that, that it was something that had been so well planned and so well arranged that it made sense that, that Yaakov should go. What, what was the sense? We don't know that yet, but there was some kind of sense. But Rashi says, Rashi says, Lahorot uh, lefanav. You see the Pasuk says, Lahorot lefanav. Lahorot is like the word to teach, uh, to study, to, to decide, to make decisions. Kitagumo. So the, the title of Uncle says that Yehuda would be in charge of showing people or taking care of the place, setting it up. You know, like you send out people, if you want to go camping someplace with a lot of kids, so you have to send out people, an advanced group, to set things up, to make sure everything is clean, that everything is working. That was, that was Yehuda. So Rashi, Rashi accepts that, but then he says Medrash Agada. He adds a Medrash Agada, meaning you don't get really a feeling of profundity here. There's nothing too serious going on. He says Yehuda, because Yehuda was a Boy Scout or something, or he's good organizationally. 
So he says, no, he says, Midrash Agada, Midrash Agada, Lahorot Lifanav Latakein Lo Beit Talmud, Shemitsusham Teitsei Horah. So, Yaakov knew that he would be there forever. And that this was the fulfillment of the promise to Avram Avinu that they'd be there for 400 years. And Yaakov Avinu could not imagine that Am Yisrael could last in the diaspora 400 years, or even if it's 210 years, uh, you know, there's that discrepancy that God told Avram Avinu 400 years, but if you count, it only comes out to reduce. Reish Dal as well, 210 years that they were actually in the tribe. Okay, so he said, even that, how could they live in the tribe without having a Beit Midrash, a real place of Ora'ah, somebody who's going to make decisions. The, the, the people, the children and the grandchildren will not be able to withstand the oppression of the diaspora. So the one thing that Yaakov had left to teach B'nai Yisrael, according to this Medrash Agadah in the, in the Rashi, was that you could do it with the Torah. Whereas when he was in the house of Lavan, he was alone. He was by himself. So he had the strength that he had garnered from his father and his grandfather. But the children and the grandchildren, I mean, they didn't have that opportunity. They needed the faith Midrash. And that's what Rashi says, Yehuda was in charge of Lahorotlifanav Goshta. So he went to this place which was known to them. They knew they were going to, to be in Goshen. And, uh, and uh, they went to set up this, uh, this place of Torah. Now, in this parasha, I just want to remind you, I once mentioned this pasuk, but I don't know which year it was. There's a pasuk at the end of the parasha, at the end of, the, of our parasha, the parasha of, of Ayikash. The last pasuk of Ayikash is not on the sheet, but the last pasuk of Ayikash says this, Vayeshev Yisrael Be'eretz Mitzrayim Be'eretz Goshen, right? That's okay. Eretz Mitzrayim, big subdivision. Eretz Goshen, smaller subdivision. In other words, they were Egyptians, they were in Egypt, but they lived in Goshen, in the land of Goshen. And then it says, Vayechazuba, Vayifru, Vayirbu, Me'od. Vayechazuba, Rashi says, Vashona Chuza. It's, it's like yours. It's like yours. I mean, that's an interesting point for the Torah to make. That even though they were in the diaspora, even though there was a place that they would have to leave, they had possession of that place. Sole possession of that place. Which means that, uh, that they could have a Beit Torah. They could have a Beit Midrash. They could be different. That's, so that, that's a lesson for the diaspora. You have to live in Borough Park. Right? You have to live in Muncie. If you don't live in Borough Park, right, if you don't live in Borough, you're not going to make it. You can't live in Yopitz. You can't live, I mean, I don't mean individuals, always individuals that do things that are remarkable. But a community of people cannot live if they don't have a place where they can kind of retreat to and set up their own world. That's why in, in, in Chutzlaretz there are shuls. 
but take Knesset. And in Eretz Yisrael, but aren't. In Eretz Yisrael, all we have, what we have here is Makom uh, Tfilah. Right? People go to Daven, and then they run away. There's nothing there. There's no reason to stay in the, uh, around. But in America, if you remember how it is in America, they have these very big buildings, and they have a lot of rooms, and they have a downstairs and an upstairs and a sideway and a parking lot, and, and you could spend a tremendous amount of time in the Beit HaKnesset, because it's not just a Makom Tefillah. It's also a Makom of retreat. Like, you want to be Jewish? You want to be Jewish and laugh, you want to be Jewish and sing, you want to be Jewish and drink a little, you go to shul. All of those things you could do in shul. In Israel, thankfully, you could do all those things in the street. Like, it doesn't make any, you don't need a place to hide away in, in, in Eretz Yisrael. So, Vayech HaZuba, Vayech HaZuba is a lesson about diaspora. That in order to, so you see that Goshen, this idea of Goshen, that Yosef, uh, uh, acquiesced to the will of Yaakov and his, and his children and grandchildren and he made them a place in Egypt where they could be as they were as they were and so, uh, so Chazal say Am Yisrael remained Am Yisrael because Lo Shinu et Malbusham et so, so what do you mean Lo Shinu? It wasn't like they lived in, uh, in uh, Spanish Harlem and looked like Satmar Chatzidim they lived in their own place. And because they lived in their own place, they were able to, to make it. And this is the lesson that Yaakov Avinu left us. He left us this, uh, this lesson. Furthermore, if you look at the Psukim in Shvot, Shvot it says, Vifleti bayomahut eris goshen asher ani omeid alelevuti, eyoshev arov leman tedaki ani Hashem, Aris. You know the Makavarov, right? Kidim. Arov, right? Arov mixed up all these crazy animals running around. Where was the animals not attacking the people? It says here in the Pasuk, in Eretz Goshen. But it doesn't say at Am Yisrael. That somehow Eretz Goshen was distinguished. Eretz Goshen remained distinguished from the rest of the tribe. So that the Jews withstood the diaspora of Mitzrayim because they didn't live there. They were oppressed by Egyptians. That's true, but they didn't live in Mitzrayim. They lived in Eretz. They lived in Eretz Goshen. Another pasuk. Another pasuk. Peretz pasuk et Shvot. Again, Rak the Eretz Goshen asher sham b'nei Yisrael lo hayabarat. Also, again, Eretz Goshen. Not the Jewish people were spared, but that Eretz Goshen was spared. And why was Eretz Goshen? Eretz Goshen was, you know, just like, like a Beit Knesset, it's called in the Gemara, Mikdash Ma'at. Right? The Gemara in Megillah, it's called Mikdash Ma'at. Eretz Goshen was like Eretz Yisrael Ma'at. It was not part of, of Egypt. And that's why Yaakov Avinu went to Mitzrayim, because it was part of the effort to make sure that Am Yisrael would maintain, through the many different kinds of, of uh, diasporas, and be able to prepare themselves to return to Eretz Yisrael. Now there's a passage in Yoshua. There's a passage in Yoshua that I found 
that I found interesting. It says in the Pesach, by Yakeim Yoshua Mikadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea is in the in the south, right? Uh, Beersheba, that area. Ad Adza. Ve'et kol Eretz Goshen ve'ad Giv'on. Everybody knows where Giv'on is approximately. I guess it's where Giv'on is today, where they set up that Hitnachalut. You know Giv'on, like when you go on the, when you, you make the turn on the 443, 443, you go towards, uh, towards the airport, or towards Modi'in, hmm. so right there on the right, you pass Giv'on, so Giv'on is near Yerushalayim, right? Call Eretz Goshen Ad You know that in the south, south of Yerushalayim, the area of Yehuda was where the greatest victories for Am Yisrael were. They managed to get rid of all the idolaters between Yerushalayim and the land of the Plishtim, which is what we call Aza. Right? In Aza, they, they were never able to, uh, to drive out the Philistines and their sort of idolatry. But it's interesting to me, it caught my attention that that in Eretz Yisrael, I mean, it's in two different places, the Goshen of Mitzrayim and the Goshen of Eretz Yisrael. Nevertheless, it's interesting. Who, who named Goshen Goshen? It sounds a lot like, a, like a, a Semitic word, Goshen, right? Does it sound like a Hebrew word? And if, no? Mm-hmm. What? What could it mean? I don't know what it means, but it sounds more... Uh, um, Hebrew than Heliopolis. Okay. You know, all those, those names of, uh, of uh, Egyptian cities that sounded really weird. And he had the same idea that Batparo, remember Batparo, mm-hmm. named the baby that she took out of the water Moshe Ki Nehamayim Mishitihu. So I don't know how that happened. You know, it's like the, the Mephoshim tried to figure out how it could be that Bat Paro knew enough Hebrew to give him the name. So, there, so everybody has these tricky kinds of answers that this, maybe there's some kind of Egyptian name that sounds a little bit like Moshe, but as the Torah explained it, but it doesn't matter, even if that's true or not, it turns out that Moshe Rabbeinu was a, a Jew. And as a Jew, he had to have a Jewish name. I mean, that, that was important. So Goshen, the land of Goshen, is, is certainly not an Egyptian word. It doesn't sound like an Egyptian word. It sounds like, uh, like it was named because it was Eretz Yisrael and Chutzlar, somehow. And like today, today nobody would change, uh, nobody talks about Borough Park. I never heard anybody say that Borough Park is uh, a kind of Hebrew word in the name, Borough Park. But everybody, when they talk about uh, Borough Park, they would say, it doesn't take too long in the conversation to get to the following idea. The falafel here is better than the falafel in Jerusalem. You ever hear anybody say that? Or that the, the, uh, the pizza is better than the pizza in Jerusalem. That's certainly everybody... In, in, in other words, we define being Jewish by eating Jewish food. Even though pizza may not be exactly Jewish food, but kosher, chol of Yisrael, 
kind of pizza, that sounds pretty Jewish. I mean, no Italian is going to go out of his way for Chol of So, uh, so that, that becomes, it becomes a name. A name is more than a name. A name determines the place. And Goshen, it seemed to me, was the name that you give to a place in Eretz Yisrael. So who named it Goshen? It must have been some combination of Yosef and, and, and Yaakov and his sons and Huda. They all named it Goshen because it was... So again, you have this idea, you have this idea that, uh, that Yaakov Avinu is preparing the diaspora. He's trying to give direction about how people in the diaspora should live. So they should live in their own place, and they should have their own names, and should keep their own. They should keep their names, and they should name the places, you know, kind of uh, Jewish names, etc. So this is what uh, this was an idea that uh, that occurred to me that I wanted to uh, to share uh, tonight. Now, there's one more thing. If you go back to the first pasuk, if you go back to the first pasuk here, Breshit Perak Mevav. It says that Hashem et Yosef Goshna. So I told you, I told you that Goshna doesn't mean anything. It's Goshen. The hey Lotalis, the hey comes instead of the Lamed, the Lord Lefanav, Le Goshen. He was sent him to Goshen. But the Bnei Soschar sees it differently. So here at the bottom of the page is a quote, a famous, a famous quote that you, well, after you learn it, if you've never learned it before, you'll see why it's famous in a moment. You see it, I'm reading, I'm reading the, the B'nai Sotzcha. But halata galuta shoshit. Kasher ba Yaakov In other words, this is the real beginning of Galut. What's the difference? When, when Yaakov went to Laban, he was an individual. That's not Galut. When he and his family went to, to Egypt, that's national, like a national exile. It's Kasher by Yaakov Mitzrayma, Rashahu Galut Shoshiat Mikol Hadalit Galuyot. That this is going to be a model for all of the four Galuyot. Right, that are going to take place is Ashur, Babel, yeah, then uh, yeah, Yavan and and Romi. Right, they all exiled, exiled the Jewish people. He may et Yehuda shalach lefanav Yosef lehorot lefanav, which hainu sheyorei sheyaru haderek lefanav hainu lekol Yisrael atulimbo v'nikraim al shem Yisrael. So Yehuda. Show them the way there, and the Mele the way back. Right? He was he was in charge of the way. He was he was the one who made that path possible. Uh, okay. Then he says, Goshna. You see, whenever they put in these Gershayim, in a word, it means read it letter by letter. That it's kind of an abbreviation for something. Hema kitot dalad malchuyot asher hem b'sitra achram menagdim la'arba kochot asher hem b'kedushat Yisrael b'tzod nafshutayim v'hu goshnat 
Rashi Tevot, Gufani, and this is what Goshna stands for. It stands for the Gufani of them, and all went to exile. The body, the, 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 the real, Sikhli, the, the intelligence, Nafshi, the soul, uh, Hakol, and everything that comes down from heaven into every person. Hakol, Hainu Malchut, Haraviit, Hakolelet, Kulam. The fourth Malchut, which includes all of them, you know, the exile of Romi is the worst, that includes every other kind of exile. And it stands opposed to the soul, which includes all the positive things. So you see that that uh, the Bnei Yisrael sees it as a struggle. Like the reason that there is Galut, from our point of view, the reason that there is Galut is that we're being punished. But the people who are punishing us, they're not simply neutral. They're not just doing God's will and punishing us. They have an axe to grind. They don't like what we stand for. Even in our most depraved state, we're doing the various and we deserve to be punished. Uh, they don't like us anyway. You want to try it? There's a shin, a shin, 55, 58, 40, 58, right? It's the same. Mashiach and Goshna are the same. So, of course, you know, when they do these tricks with the, with the, um, um, gematria, it, it doesn't mean that they derive it from the gematria, but once you know something is true, it's nice to find the gematria that fits in. Right? Some people are annoyed by the by the gematrias, but there's no reason to be annoyed. The, the poison that was injected into us by the nachash. These are the good things that happened in the in the uh, uh, in the uh, in diaspora, right? You know, we we also get purified. We get rid of the bad inside of us. Now. This is where the power of all these other nations come. The reason they can overcome us is there's something wrong with us. So I'm not going to count that. In, in, in other words, it's, it's a, like this, this tremendous struggle between the good and the bad. There's the good and the bad outside of us and inside of us, and all of this is taking place around the theme of Galut. Galut is the struggle, and redemption is victory. That's what the this is why why there are people who who uh, the Satmarov who, who who for many reasons probably was not a great Zionist, but he he knew the Torah. He knew what people said about things, and therefore, uh, you can't, uh, it's hard to write him off as being just a, a non-thinker. I mean, we tend to make everything political. You know, there's us and there's them about every issue, but I, I, I'm not sure that's a good way to look at it. Uh, 
the Rabba takes smichut hachana the Rabba takes smichut gula letvila yichuda shalim avaya chadish marachad v'zoh yitparish odim yitzah Hashem lahalan b'pasuk of Ches me'esav higid la'amos. So anyway, this is the beginning of a long uh, a Torah that the Bnei Soscher writes about the Galuyot. About the Galuyot, he explains why there's a Galuyot, and what the Galuyot is supposed to accomplish. All this is encapsulated in this first paragraph. At the end of this, at the end of this Torah, which is, Mama, I'm reading from the top, Ma'amarei Chodesh Kislev, Tevet, Ma'amar Bet, paragraph Kopei, at the end there's a Hagaha. A Hagaha means he wrote it at a different time. Right, he added it on. Right, so this Haggahah, written by him, it says, Uvadeh, if you understand this about, if you understand this about what we're talking about, about Galut, and what Yaakov, and why he went to Mitzrayim, and all, all of those things. Torah is what Hasidim say, he was a Chosim, by the way. What Hasidim say about every apparently foolish thing that they do. They have no, they have no source. They say, oh, I don't have a say no Torah. That's it, it has no source. It has a source, they tell you the source. You don't have to say, I don't have a Torah. So he says, I don't have a Torah, who asher ha bin hag bi mech Hanukkah, asher hu chinuch le geulah, that's why it's called, the holiday is called Hanukkah, and it's not called Nes, or Nes they wrote, or Hanukkah, or any, I'm sorry, or, or anything to do with the miracle of oil, shemen. Not, none of those words are the name of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is, what is it according to him? Chinuch legulah ha'atilda b'mhei rabbi amenu k'moshe katavnu lecha kama ta'amim. See, this is like something that I've said many times. Mesachakim ha'na'arim b'chatichot eitz mirubahat Imagine that. The, the, the young lads play with wooden, uh, something made out of wood, which is square. Goshna, right? What did he say about Goshna in the beginning? What did he say? He says, Et Yehuda Shalach Lefanav El Yosef. Lorot lefanav, sheyaruha derech lefanav. We call Yisrael. I call the living the grim al shemo Yisrael. Goshna. You see the third line in the first paragraph. Hema kito dalad malchiyot. So he says first he says Goshna refers to the dalad malchiyot, the, 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 the qualities that they wanted to get rid of in Am Yisrael. And now he says. The 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 Otiyot Goshna that we we say it, these are the the letters of course that are written on the on the Svivon in Chutzlaret Neis Gadol Hayasham that's what that's what we usually say of course this is nothing to do with the reality of things the realities are quite different but I'll tell you in a minute. He says, Beperod, Ot Echad, Mikol, Ruach. Right? One letter on each side of this square. The Ha'etz Hazeh, Bitgalgel, Al Nekudat, Kotev, Merkaz, Ha'etz. You see how he 
he, he doesn't exactly have words to say, so he makes them up. He says that the, the thing spins around an edge, uh, a, a, a median edge. Nekudat kotev merkaza emtsa'i l'horot shamalchiyot halalo hamerumazin b'tevat gimel shin nun hey koshna Right, those Malchuyot that are going to come and drive us into exile canal, Hamenagdim Bepirudam Bektsavot, they, 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 uh, they're different, each one from the other. Pinei Kulam Sovavim Al Hamerkaz Nekudad Sa'it Yisrael Hamachdim Haktsavot. See, so that's the symbolism of a dreidel, that, that this victory of Hanukkah, this victory that is supposed to educate us to seek victory forever even in the diaspora, not physical victory, not, not war but victory over the ideology of these these uh, four uh, different Galuyot Hamenagdim Perudam Biktsavot Hinei Kulam Sovavim Al Hamerkaz Nekudam Tzaiq Yisrael Amachdim Atzavot Okay Aktsavot sovavim al hamerkaz v'chulam yitbatlu el hamerkaz. Right, this is like his his vision of the of the dreidel. La'az yafoch el amim safab brura yachad mikrok chulam b'shem hazaya. Everybody will understand and everybody will know and everybody will see that galut is not the answer, but that in fact everything should go back to be as it should be. Al kein aktsavot sovavim al hamerkaz v'chulam yitbatlu el hamerkaz v'az yafoch el amim. Safa brura, yacha the kolam b'seik b'shem b'shem. Safa brura, there was in, in distinction to the Migdal Bavel, where there was a mixture of languages because people wanted to get to heaven in an unacceptable manner. But now they will be reunited and enlightened with the Safa brura, the kolam b'shem habay. Vatit patel gamre zuamat lachash, right? The poison of the snake. Bigimatria Gimel Shin Nun Hey. Right? Gimel Shin Nun Hey. Right? Goshna. Nachash. Az Havaya Melech Havaya Melech Havaya Melech Hashem Melech Hashem Molech Hashem Yimloch. Vizei Yebe Viyat Mashiach. Zitkeinu Vimheru Viyamenu Amen. So, there you have it. There you have it. So, we started off talking about Zot Chanukah, that this is the day when the miracle becomes clear to everybody. And then we talked about Eretz Goshen, that there was a lesson to be learned, and Goshen was already determined as the place to be uh, by ya- before Yaakov Avinu. Before Yaakov Avinu got his invitation from Yosef, and he knew that he had to go there in order to establish the Beit Midrash with Yehuda, of course, but to, to make Torah the essential part of the life of B'nai Yisrael and Mitzrayim, they were in Eretz Goshen. Eretz Goshen is a makom achuzah. It, it became their place to the exclusion of any place else. And that's why certain of the makot of Mitzrayim were not brought on the people in Eretz Goshen, because Eretz Goshen was really in Eretz Yisrael. It was like a mikdash ba'at. It was a little bit of Eretz Yisrael. It's true that they were slaves, but when they came home, they were in Eretz Yisrael. Finally, I pointed out to you that there's an actual 
place in Eretz Yisrael, which was captured by Yoshua bin Nun near Yerushalayim, or southwest of Yerushalayim, which is also called Goshen, which indicates that the name Goshen was transmitted perhaps by the Jews themselves to Eretz Mitzrayim. Finally, we went back to the word Goshenna. Goshenna, we, uh, we, we reminded ourselves, everybody knows this B'nai uh, that says that what you do when you play dreidel is you emphasize the fact that the future, that even though you're in the diaspora when you're playing the dreidel, right? Nun Gimel Shin Hei is a diaspora rendition. Nevertheless, you are optimistic that the future will be, will be different. The future will be different uh, than, than the present. And he, he understands that the word Goshva was used specifically because it can connect to other words, to other words in Hebrew, either through the gematria or through the idea that there are four malchiyot that, uh, that approach. And, and, and that's another Bezot Hanukkah. Bezot Hanukkah is not only about what happened on Hanukkah, but just as that, like on Hanukkah, there was a, 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 a renewed uh, awareness. The Chashvonaim, even though it was a short period of time, the Chashvonaim were aware of the fact that when the obligations of the Torah are in conflict with the obligations that uh, they wish to place upon you, you have to fight for the Torah obligations against the will of the uh, whoever is there, whoever is uh, not uh, so. And so, um, so according to Chassidut, you have to spin the dreidel. Like it's not a game. It's like it's like almost the the real issue of Hanukkah is spinning the dreidel. So I brought a dreidel. Somebody <laughs> can take a turn. And it's also a wooden dreidel. In those days, today they have dreidels made out of all kinds of things. But also. Um, the, the dreidel uh, must have transmorphed from Christmas. That's my, my thought. On Christmas, there was a minute not to learn Torah on the night of Christmas. And the reason they didn't learn Torah on the night of Christmas was probably because they didn't want the young people to go to the Beit Midrash. It, it, it was the, the way they learned in those days was they go to the Beit Midrash. That's where the books were and that's where you could sit and learn. But they were afraid that the goyim would, would get drunk that night and, and would be unruly. And so they said, okay, don't go. But they, they couldn't say, don't go to the Beit Midrash. They said, don't, don't, go to, don't learn Torah that night. So that they've, they've developed a minhag on, on the night of Christmas to play cards, whatever that means. But it says in Yiddish, they say, Shpulen uh, Korpen. What we call like a deck of cards, they played some kind of game, uh, which which kept them from going to the Beit Midrash and walking around. I mean, it is the end of December, Christmas, right? It's full of snow. Everything's full of snow, and it's hard to walk. And there's no street lamps. There's a so so they, that that's what happened on the night on the night of Christmas. Now this um, this game, which originally work this way. The nun, well, the hay, you, you would sort of bet money. Like you'd bet, bet a penny. Like, like, you, like we play cards. Everybody put in a penny, so you spin the dreidel. If it, if it landed on the hay, so you got howl. 
you took back half. If it landed on the gimel, you took guns, everything. You took you took whatever was in the pot. Uh, I don't remember what the others. Shin shalim. You pay. What? Shin is you pay in. Yeah, shin. I, <coughs> what? Yeah, I, I, that's I but mixed me up. This is a Israeli version, so it doesn't work in Israel. I mean, this how the shalim and, and all. Okay. What? Yeah, our name or yeah, something like that. So they had this this idea they, how you would make money, but here's a wooden dreidel, which would have made the Bnei Yisrael happy. Okay. Are there ancient uh, dreidels? You know, like in the museum? Like in the museum, I think there are. In uh, you know, there's that museum in Hechal Shlomo. Where they have like uh, a lot of beggars and things like that. I think that they do, but I don't remember exactly if they were made out of metal or made out of wood. But he said they were made out of wood. Okay. The book is called the Itzvi Sefer. What? When was it written? I guess when he was alive, the 18th century. It's like an early. Early Hasidic master, if you read paperback books. <laughs> okay.